Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. One of those days. Today's one of those days, okay? Um, so I am not supposed to be preaching today, but um, Santa texted me this morning and she's super sick. So I have her sermon and I've been looking over it for an hour and we're going to just play. We're going to have a great time, all right? Um, before we get really into it, let's um, pause and center ourselves in prayer. Um, I also. Bola, I have some idea of maybe what you said, but I have no idea of what you said because I was running around. But if it's any idea of what I think you might have said, thank you for being so open and vulnerable. Um, it is like it, yeah. It's hard work to be up here, so thank you. Um, let us pray. <laughs> Holy and gracious God. It is for you that we live and breathe and have our being. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our body's response to you from this scripture passage, from the call of the community gathered around us, um, from the words that I don't know that I'm going to say yet. Might it all convict us and send us out into this world to live in a new way, a way that is There's a point in the sermon where I'm supposed to give it away what happens at the end, but since I don't know what happens at the end, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> so, you know, this is where I add my own touch to it. Uh, so friends, uh, good morning, and uh, today we're in the middle of a new, newish, I guess we're in the middle of it, so it's not new anymore, sermon series called The Pursuit of Meaning, and what we're, uh, last fall I watched a um, TED talk by a woman named Emily Esafani Smith, and she talked about how there's more to life than being happy, and how really what we need to do is to search for meaning. So we talked a lot about like what is happiness versus meaning um, in the first week. And then last week, Nick Joyner uh, preached a wonderful sermon on belonging. And next week, we're going to talk about transcendence and the following week's storytelling. Can you guess what we're talking about this week based on the Avenue Q clip? Perfect. Yeah, you guys are great. You were paying attention. Awesome. We're going to have a good time. So uh, purpose is, and I don't know if you've listened to these lyrics, but 
Um, Princeton says, purpose is that little flame that lights a fire under your rear end. Um, purpose is keeping, keeps you going strong like a car full of gas. Really, rear end was supposed to be something else that rhymed with gas, but I don't want to say that. Um, so in other words, purpose is what motivates us. Um, it's what gets us up in the morning. It's what keeps us going. It's, um, but it isn't the same as finding a job that makes you happy, right? Um, purpose is both separate and related to employment. So um, I love how fast you responded to this. Can you put up this little slide that... Um, so a couple years ago, I used this little slide when we were talking about work for a while. We have this idea, I think this slide is incorrect, but we have this idea that this is what purpose is. You have to be great at it, you have to love it, the world has to need it, and you have to get paid for it. Which, as you can see in this Venn diagram, leaves a very small possibility that you'll ever get your purpose. <laughs> um, I think purpose is actually, has, do you guys remember me? Um, okay, so I shouldn't recycle material then because you remember that. Um, but I had to throw it in there because we're flying by the seat of our pants here today. Um, I think purpose is bigger than that little red dot. I think purpose is ultimately about accepting the divine invitation to offer your life for something bigger than yourself. It is using your gifts and, let's face it, your fears and your deficits to create something beautiful in this world. So purpose, this is my definition that I came up with this morning, so let's hope it's good. Purpose is accepting the divine invitation to offer your life for something bigger than yourself. Has anybody done that? something bigger than yourself. As followers of Jesus, we can find purpose in many and varied ways. So uh, we could say teaching Sunday school with the children here at UVC contributes to my purpose. We could say that providing um, uh, food at a homeless shelter is purpose. We could say that um, playing in the worship band is part of my purpose, or protesting in the women's march is part of my purpose, or having a marriage is part of my purpose. All of these things and more um, create this bigger sense of identity that, um, that allow you to not just be rooted only in your own self and your narrative, but in something bigger than yourself, right? So I want to take a minute and look at Moses' purpose. Some might say that Moses found his purpose in this burning bush, but I would say that um, really the burning bush and the call to deliver God's people um, was a task. That was a task that was part of a bigger purpose to accept a divine invitation to offer yourself for something more than yourself, right? So this story in Exodus 3 picks up right where um, we left off last week. If you remember the story of Moses, or if you don't know the story of Moses um, and you don't have a Bible, we have them out front. You're welcome to, um, to grab one. Moses, uh, if you remember us talking, he was, um, he's Hebrew, 
and he was raised in his birth mother's home, but he had all the rights and responsibilities and privilege of living in the Pharaoh's court. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he got into some trouble because he kind of stood up for um, people who were being abused, and he ended up killing someone, and so he flees. And uh, he has found his way to a well where he is met by seven women, and he kind of stands up for justice there, too. There were um, some folks that were kind of making it hard for the women to get water. Um, and then he uh, decides to go home with them, or he gets invited home, and he ends up marrying one of the women um, named Zipporah, right? And that's a place where he found belonging in this adopted family, in a way. So he settles down. He becomes a shepherd, and that's his life. I don't know what his sense of purpose was at that moment. Providing for his family, um, caring for the animals, all good and noble things, all part of purpose and meaning. Um, and he, there he is on this mountain. I want to point out it's Mount Horeb. And uh, he's tending his sheep. Mount Horeb, another name for it that we'll see later on is Mount Sinai, which is um, actually like, it's almost like a flash forward, uh, um, not a flash forward. What's that called where you? Foreshadowing. Yes, thank you. Um, it's almost like a foreshadowing because um, he's on this mountain tending sheep. And in years to come, he's going to receive the Ten Commandments on this very same mountain. So that's kind of cool, right? So he's on this mountain and he spots a, um, a bush. <clears throat> and it seems to be burning, but it's not consuming. So he um, goes to kind of um, investigate. And um, this is where I did not write a lot of stuff down. So he goes to investigate, and um, he experiences God's presence. And God says, remove your shoes because this place is holy. So even though uh, mountains historically were thought to be holy places, places where heaven and earth met, at that moment, while he was tending his sheep, it was just another mountainside, just a place where the sheep were grazing. And in the experience of that burning bush, he realizes God's presence was also there. What made that mountain holy in that moment was not um, that mountains are holy, but that God cho chose to reveal God's self in that moment. Now, that's actually the last that we hear about the burning bush, which is kind of interesting because we, always, we call this story even like the story of the burning bush. But really, that was just the vehicle to get at what the larger story was, which was God calling Moses to a, a larger purpose in life. And I think um, sometimes we um, think that our purpose has to come in these like large burning bush experiences. But for the most part, it comes in uh, smaller formative experiences. Yeah, so let, let me expand upon that. So um, has anybody ever been to um, 
man, I'm having a hard time. Indiana, there's the state park in Indiana. Um, Turkey Run, yes. Has anybody ever been to Turkey Run? Okay, good. So there's this spot in Turkey Run where it's like a waterfall, and the water uh, comes off, and sometimes the waterfall is dry, sometimes it, it drips off. And then there's this point where it goes along a rock, and it just, like, drop at a time. And when you look, it's all stone. There is a carved-out area about this big and about this deep, and it has been formed over thousands of years by one drop at a time, right? And so I think sometimes our purpose, we think it has to be a large burning bush, but it's more like this drop at a time that hits us. So um, Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King describes his purpose this way. My call to the ministry was neither dramatic nor spectacular. It came neither by some miraculous vision nor by some blinding light experience on the road of life. Moreover, it did not come as a sudden realization. Rather, it was a response to an inner urge that came, gradually came upon me. The urge expressed itself in a desire to serve God and humanity. So our purpose oftentimes is gradual drop of water after drop of water shaping us. And I think as long as our response is to participate in something bigger than ourselves then we're following God's purpose. So here's Moses. Moses takes off his shoes for this holy ground and uh, sort of receives this, this vision to, to help Israel. And what's his response? Yeah, no fear, right? So sometimes our response to call, our response to holiness it's to hide our face out of fear. Or maybe it's not out of fear, but out of the fear of our own smallness. Oh no, we're, okay. I have this quote um, that I, it's always attributed, it, it's attributed to a lot of people, um, Marian uh, Williamson and also Nelson Mandela. And I think really it's just like a made up quote that nobody knows where it came from. Um, you've probably heard it. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah. And yet, even I think that oftentimes we fear success in our purpose. We fear um, what we might do if we say yes. And sometimes I think we fear and we get so caught up in our own smallness that we can't see the bigger picture. Or maybe that's a safety mechanism. We do things like, <clears throat> we do things like um, obsess over if our kitchen is clean enough, right? Or um, if we have the right outfit for a Friday night or um, some of the things are hard, like, am I going to be able to pay the bills? Or what does Facebook say so-and-so's up to, and have I caught up with them? Am I, you know, am I showing? Um, what's on my to-do list today, right? Moses might have said, like, 
have I got the sheep out to graze, right? Focusing on these small things so that we don't have to think about the bigger thing and the way that we could succeed in it. But what happens when we do respond? When we do say yes to this purpose? When we do say yes to... Um, accepting the divine invitation to offer ourselves for something bigger than who and what we are. Well, I think awesomeness happens. Maybe we don't uh, free people out of slavery, but we can do some pretty awesome stuff. I think in order to do that awesome stuff, we have to know who we are, though. We have to know what we have been gifted with, because most of us don't get that burning bush experience. So um, I want to introduce you to this idea of spiritual gifts today. If any of you guys saw it, did anybody uh, read the e-news and then take the quiz? <laughs> okay, was worth an ask. Um, so um, in the e-news this week was a link to a spiritual gifts inventory. And could you put that slide up with the little bit.ly? Um, maybe you guys want to take a picture of this now, and um, if, if I'm losing you, you can take the quiz right now. Um, if you're kind of intrigued, you can take it later. Um, I think it was originally going to be an announcement slide, and then I asked you to bump it. Yeah, so that, that bit.ly, um, bit.ly backslash UVC gifts, and uh, it's I think it's like 80 questions, and it'll give you, it, um, the results will go in, and then Santa, when she is better, will email you her results. Uh, your results, not her results. Um, because when we know who we are, and when we know what we've been gifted to, we know what our purpose is. We know how we can participate in building up the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God's self is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people, and the variety is wonderful. So each of us has these gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, gifts that empower us with purpose and meaning and that benefit others. Because I think part of what purpose is is realizing that life is more than ours. It's realizing that we contribute to something bigger. So I want to give you an example I guess it was probably about four years ago we did a spiritual gifts inventory. Do you remember that series? It was a long time ago, maybe even five years ago. And we passed out spiritual gifts inventory, and um, everybody took it. And then we had an all-community meeting afterwards where like 10 people showed up. Um, And we talked about our gifts. And uh, we sort of went over the results and people shared and what did that mean about how they could participate and um, in, in the church and in the world into their purpose. 
and my gifts, and they kind of change sometimes, like depending on, um, depending on where you are in your life, you might sharpen some, like you might have five gifts, but two of them are really sharpened at any given time, right? Um, and so at that time, my gifts were, this is going to be a real surprise, teacher, pastor, and evangelism. And um, I think I took the inventory recently and hospitality was up there. Um, so we were discussing these and someone in the circle had a, like a off-the-charts gift of administration. And she said to me, the whole group was there, not just like to me. She said something like, you know, administration just isn't very sexy. Like, I kind of wish I had a different spiritual gift that um, I could do something that like was more exciting than balancing our finances or um, thinking about administration of something. Anybody, anybody have gifts of administration? Okay. And uh, I said to that person, almost with tears in my eyes at the time, your gift is an answer to my prayers. Because I don't have the gift of administration, and I need it. So when we're in tune with our gifts, like, we couldn't be the church without that person with the gift of administration. Uh, when Santa was, I was talking with her on the phone today, and she's like, I don't know, I feel like I should be there. Like, Moses didn't feel up to the job. I don't feel up to the job. And God's spirit was with Moses. And I was like, Yes, and you're also preaching on spiritual, you're supposed to be preaching on spiritual gifts today. And this is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. That when one has fallen, the others can come around, right? And so it's not like, so I rearranged, Aaron rearranged, our welcome team when God, like, that's what it means, right? To, um, we all have gifts and, um, we use them and we cover for each other and, and that is what creates this purpose that's bigger than ourselves, right? So I think I'm, I'm about ready to conclude here. Our gifts come in all shapes and sizes. One person's gift is another person's chore. But all of these gifts contribute to our ability to say yes to that greater purpose. Now, I'm guessing that none of you in this room are called to the task of setting an entire nation of people free or to deliver new laws to this new nation or to settle this nation in a new land that'll take 40 years to get there and you actually won't ever get there yourself. Or maybe anybody called to that? Okay, um, but all of us have tasks that are set before us, and all of us have gifts to use to do those tasks. And when we say yes to the given tasks, 
to using our gifts, we are living into this greater purpose, this greater call of contributing to something bigger than ourselves. In the Christian church, we call that the body of Christ. Right. So, do it with me. Join me, join Santa from her sickbed to make this world something more beautiful and more just and more whole. That's what we're called to. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray.